Welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. I'm John. I'm Jack. And this is our inaugural episode. And uh, Jack, you chose one heck of a film to start us off. It was uh, so upbeat. Yeah, I figured we'd start out on a happy note, you know, just to celebrate the good times in life. Just kidding. It was very horrific. I mean, nothing, nothing says like a grand time like a nuclear holocaust. Yep. I really thought I'd bring this podcast in with a bang. Yes, the pun was intended. That's that's honestly kind of terrible. Yeah, I know. I'm an awful person. I'm going to get this podcast canceled in the first five minutes. Well, I mean, we won't have to put that much work into it then, I guess. <laughs> so where where did you even find this? Because I, I'd never heard of Picadon, and I, I hope I'm saying that correctly, but I'd never heard of it before you sent it to me. I'm glad you asked. I was on Reddit, and I'm trying to find the post right now, actually. Uh, yes, Reddit, but... the, the source of all great internet con- uh, content. Ah, um and it was on the morbid reality subreddit because you know i'm just a little ghoul like that um and i one of the posts i came across was the survivor sketches and paintings detailing the experiences of a man who survived the hiroshima bombings and they're about as upbeat as this film which is to say not at all they're very very visceral and i actually read about this movie in those comments and somebody linked it to YouTube and I was like, huh, the entire movie is only eight minutes. So then I watched it and then I'm like, what the heck, you know, who would love this? And by love it, I mean, probably hate it. My good buddy DP. And, you know, I sent it to you thinking that it would be good with our podcast. And here we are. Where are you? You know, I was I was honestly shocked, you know, for only being eight minutes, there's so much that's just packed into it. Like I I watched it like probably five or six times this past week, and every time I watched it, like I kept coming across something new or like something kind of just stuck with me. And I mean, for being an eight-minute film. It's, it's definitely, you know, it's not a walk in the park to watch, you know, I mean, a a nuclear bombing probably shouldn't be easy to watch, Mm -hmm. but, um, the, the beginning of this film is so deceptively calm and soothing. And I mean, the, the, the best example of that is when you first sent it to me, like I, I had no idea what it was about and I was only kind of halfway paying attention to it. And for like the first two minutes, I'm like, why am I watching this? Because it's just this like super peaceful piano rendition and like happy families and like a kid throwing a paper airplane. And then you hear the the engine noise of like the bombers coming overhead. And then I'm like, oh, wait, this is oh, this is going to be shitty. Yeah. And then the the next six minutes of the film is just absolutely horrendous yeah (laughs) horrendous in a good way very provocative like true art should be and (laughs) for those listening i watched it together with him the first time he watched it and we were in discord and i even heard the moment where he said wait a minute is this about hiroshima (laughs) and 
Like, uh, there is really no other response other than uh, w what took you so long? <laughs> like, it's well, peaceful, peaceful cityscapes thing. of a Japanese city. There's only one thing it could be. <laughs> I incorrect. Japan, I hear, is a wonderful place. I haven't been, but um, I was like, okay, peaceful Japanese city. What could this be? Um, and I didn't pick up on, you know, the initial, like, the the one, like, dad character, like, putting on his uniform and getting ready to, like, go into work one day. Um, I literally, it was when the, the airplane noise came in that I'm like, wait a minute, is this Hiroshima? And then, like, it cuts to, like, a scene of, like, a tank factory and, like, you see, like, supply trucks rolling by. And I'm like, oh, this th this is going to be terrible yep but i i looked this film up using the greatest research tool of all time wikipedia mm -hmm. and it's it's such a scant uh wikipedia entry yeah i have it up right now actually like even the wikipedia entry is like this is an obscure film and i'm like i i wonder why like but the the thing that that struck me even more than that is the fact that, you know, obviously there's no citation to it, but it said it's used as like an educational tool in like the Japanese school system. Yeah. But that part isn't cited by it's even says by whom, but right. But I would have to imagine that there's at least one or two teachers in the Japanese school system who probably shows this film. It, if I recall correctly, they show a barefoot gen another one of my um what's what's the word submissions for this podcast they i know they show barefoot gen in some schools so it stands to reason that they'd show this one i uh i got went like i went down this pretty deep rabbit hole of uh the japanese education system as far as when it comes to teaching history and uh, I was quite frankly shocked at like how much revisionism goes on with it. Oh yeah. Um, you know, if you if you look at our other adversary of World War II, Nazi Germany, um, you know, we kind of steamrolled over their entire country and made them not a thing anymore. And uh, in there in the German education system. Um, they put a very high premium on teaching every single person like this is the shitty thing we did and we can't have it repeat. And there's like there's laws on the book in Germany about like being a Holocaust denier is illegal mm -hmm. or saying the Holocaust didn't happen is illegal. But Japan being different, obviously, we we dropped the atomic bombs on them. Um, and because we dropped the atomic bombs on them, we never invaded the home islands so there wasn't yeah. that same like we're scraping the country to the ground kind of effect um and if you look at like you know germany had the nuremberg trials well we had a set of uh uh what was it called the um war like a war crime tribunal in japan also 
but like a good chunk of those guys never got punished they they were let off and they actually like held a position in the the government that was reformed after the war mm-hmm. so so you have a, a bunch of guys who are a little butthurt about losing the war and you know asian cultures have kind of a a big thing about uh image or the like saving face type deal yeah and uh it's it's so crazy because it's pervasive even today so do you remember the prime minister of japan that was assassinated not too long ago shinzo shinzo abe yeah yeah so he actually he came out with like a public statement about it was, it was a an apology of sorts and it nearly tanked his political career and that he had bad, to like huh? yeah he had to like walk back what he said in order to to keep his position Ooh. so i mean there's the, it's it's an interesting situation and the other part of what i was looking up about it was there was you know, looking up the education system, there was one teacher from Japan that did like a like a Quora, like answering question type deal, or oh, some yeah, sort of interview. Quora. And uh, this teacher was like, "Yeah, we have a four hundred page textbook on Japanese history, and approximately like fifteen pages are World War II." I have heard that. And the thing is, is like it's usually at the tail end of their like educational semester year what have you and uh a lot of times they either like don't make it to it or it's super rushed and it's like super horrible events like the rape of nanking is like a footnote yeah i have heard about that about the like the um revisionism and the censorship yeah that sounds that's the right word there was a i came across a quote by uh stephen e ambrose who he wrote the book band of brothers as well as a bunch of other books and uh he had a quote that summed up his view of like the way the japanese teach world war ii history and it's like everything was peaceful and then one day the americans dropped a bomb on us (laughs) (laughs) which I know is grossly oversimplified, but I'm like, it kind of strikes, there's, it's, it strikes a little true just in the way that they, they go about, uh, the current telling of World War II in Japan. At least that's the way it seems. I, you know, I've obviously never taken a Japanese high school class. Man. Yeah, it's something but getting back to Picadon, how old is this movie uh, i think it was released in 78 yeah 78 and and what i will say is that for an animated film released in 78 it seems kind of on par like the first thing that i like i noticed about the the animation style about it i was like man this kind of looks like the the og hobbit film like I was going to bring that up. How do you even describe this animation style? Like watercolors almost. Yeah, almost. Um, 
that 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 is literally the the only thing I could correlate it to in my brain was it it gave me the vibe of like the the original Hobbit animated film. Yeah, Rolf Bakshi. That's the guy who did those iconic animations. But like when I tried looking up the the director for this film, I and maybe it's because I'm terrible at researching, but I couldn't find any other titles that was attributed to this person. But apparently they had been involved in animation since like the 60s and also apparently created the Hiroshima Animated Film Festival, which I was not aware was a thing. Me neither. I, I'm curious if it's, it's still active. I, I'm sure it probably is, but I'm, I'm interested to, to think about what kind of submissions are usually sent to it. Yeah. Oh man. I wonder if they're as provocative as this one. I bet they are. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Renzo Kinoshita. I couldn't find anything much else on him either. He died in 97 by the sounds of it. Well, he definitely, even though this is an obscure film, he's, he's definitely left a, uh, impression pretty a significant impression mm-hmm. and like going with this particular film uh when i was on vacation a couple weeks ago i uh brought uh hiroshima by john hersey with me because you know what what better way to spend your vacation than to read about <laughs> an atomic bombing yep relaxing uh, I also I wanted to to have like a compare and contrast of like what actual survivors said versus like what is depicted from this film. And the 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 part where you have people like stuck in the rubble the rubble is what really kind of like piqued my my interests or kind of like grab my attention. Um, the, the absolute worst thing. And, and it's, it's a personal pet peeve, especially like ever since I, I finished uh, my EMT stuff years ago um, was there's a scene where you have a person who's like buried underneath the rubble and um like you just see them reaching out with their hand and someone tries to like lift them out of the rubble and it is immediately a a degloving which for our listeners if you don't know what a degloving is i highly don't recommend you google that um imagine that your skin is a glove but you're taking the glove off yep it just and it's just bone like no no meat underneath just clean off yeah it the 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 thing that didn't resonate with me but kind of threw me out of it actually was the like the initial parts where like people are melting and like i i get that that's supposed to demonstrate the the power of the bomb and like the the intensity of it but i feel like everything that you ever see or hear about is that it's it's more of like an incineration versus this is like oh we're i i I get the feeling that this is uh like somebody jumped into a giant like stew pot 
Yeah, like, do you, do you know exactly how hot the explosion was? Because um, it was like 5,000 degrees Celsius, which my American brain cannot translate that into Fahrenheit. <clears throat> yeah, it's oof, hot, like surface of the sun. Well, yeah, there's a there's an exhibit um, where there's like a a section of cement or concrete sidewalk that they removed uh, that was approximately like twenty or fifty feet from the the epicenter of the blast, and it's literally just like a shadow on the ground, and they and they claim that this was a person. Like I I, I have no doubt that it probably is or was but but also it's like it's hard to comprehend somebody going from like a walking talking human being to a literal shadow yeah and i've i've seen those pictures too where it's just imprinted on the side of a building i think it and it it does get shown in this film obviously with like the buildings falling over and like people like starting at one side of the frame and then they like you see their hair like blown back blown back and then they go to the other side of the frame um i feel like if i'm not mistaken a lot of the casualties from hiroshima initially was was kind of more of like a pressure blast pressure blast huh and yeah, the <clears throat> scene of them getting back up again after they got blast and the skin is just hanging off of them. Yeah, that was uh, another interesting thing that like I was reading about looking into this. Um, it was weird to think about the fact that people who were most likely to survive the blast were people who had been buried in rubble. And it's kind of a weird reason, but the the like go to method of trying to comfort or treat these people in the immediate in the immediate aftermath of this was to give them water. Like th that's a pretty common thing for any kind of traumatic experience. It's like oh, have a have a sip of water, like get hydrated, all that stuff. But like when you're dealing with an extreme amount of radiation poisoning, like it just your your insides are just so toast that it can't handle the introduction of of water and it kills you versus the people who were stuck in the rubble for a couple of days like yeah they still had massive amounts of radiation exposure but like their their body got to like resettle so to speak yeah so what was the like the most striking scene or image in this film for you the part after the explosion all those people just sitting by the river and it's like garishly red and pink and i'm i'm i have it pulled up right now actually and then it, the the sky is just this reddish orange and there's bodies in the water just draped along the river banks everywhere because likely they got burned by the initial explosion and went to the water is that also is that scene yeah. like right next to the scene where there's like kind of like a mountain of people? 
it's kind of by that. It's uh, five minutes and 55-ish seconds in. And and then it's the one of that dude bumbling through the smoke and the soot trying to find his way. And like, this is kind of going to sound weird to say, but if we were hit by a nuclear bomb, God forbid, we'd at least know what was going on. These guys had no context as to what just happened and what was going on. Yeah, I mean, obviously this first time that a weapon of this sort was ever used. Um, so it's very hard to to wrap your head around it. And like at the time, the only people who had even the faintest idea of what was going on uh were like japanese scientists because they're like hey this looks surprisingly a lot like stuff we were trying to make (laughs) like how far along did they get in their nuclear programs uh, i know that they were working on it i don't know i think the germans got farther along in their nuclear program but they faced a lot of set at least the germans did a lot of setbacks because of like sabotage and commando raids and stuff that's right the heavy water plant in norway yeah that was uh like a huge resource that they got out of that country um but it's it's interesting to think that you know obviously they they didn't have a a means of comprehending like what exactly this giant tremendous weapon was but like prior to the bombings uh, the U.S. did drop leaflets over a bunch of different cities saying, you know, we're in possession of the greatest weapon known to mankind. Uh, they neglected to drop those leaflets on Hiroshima, um, but they did it to like a dozen other cities. But at this time in the war, the U.S. had already leveled like 20 or 30 cities. And I, and when I say level, I mean just like yeah absolutely completely leveled straight to the ground so if you're a person who's living in a city that hasn't been destroyed yet and you're reading the newspapers like oh tokyo was firebombed into oblivion and now they're dropping a leaflet saying we have the greatest weapon known to mankind it's like what difference does that make like you you already completely destroy our cities like Mm mm-hmm yeah, and context is hard. <laughs> it's hard to explain just what a nuclear bomb is to people that have no that don't have the knowledge that we do today. But also there there's something to be said about like in wartime, like if we if we were in a wartime environment and like there are leaflets that were dropped on our city from like Russia or something that said we are in possession of a secret weapon that can end you in a in a second and you know leave the context out of their nuclear arsenal like you would 100 like us as americans we'd be like okay russia like whatever like <laughs> yeah, like go fuck yourself to- like it's it's like i have a girlfriend she just goes to a different school like <laughs> <laughs> yeah we think they're trying to get in our heads yeah it's like as as much as i'm sure they probably wanted people to take those leaflets seriously i i can't imagine anybody is like yeah they're totally going to believe this what did the like i 
I've heard this. I've heard it before. Yeah, but I don't. I don't really see a lot of people mentioning the leaflets that were dropped when they're talking about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Do you know how many were dropped and what became of them? Um, I don't know how many were dropped. I do know that the Japanese government had a pretty negative reaction to it, like police rounding people up if they were found in possession of the leaflets type deal. So, but I've, but I feel as though that's a, a typical like totalitarian government type move. Yep. And you think you, did they, you think they like, uh, or was it contraband to have those leaflets? Did they just say like, Hey, we got a bunch of leaflets dropped on us, turn them in and we'll burn them or something. To that, I don't know. I think, I think it was probably like, oh, this guy has this leaflet in his pocket. Like, let, let's arrest him type situation. Uh, hmm. But I, I, I imagine wartime Imperial Japan was probably not like the friendliest place in the world. Oh, God, no. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know much. I guess about Imperial Japan and what was what it was like to live during that time, but I can't imagine it was sunshine and rainbows. Yeah, you know, I think uh, there, there's a guy on YouTube I follow. His name is, uh, or his YouTube channel is called Japan at War, and he literally covers all topics Japanese military. I feel like if we ever have another uh japan film come up that we should try and get somebody like him on here to educate us idiots and i i think i did put it in a submission for barefoot again it's very similar to this where it's about the hiroshima bombing but it's way longer it's more in depth i do i do believe it's on the list but i think we also have like the last samurai on the list and uh several pacific war films have made their way on the list also like i like i've been at like continuously adding to it the past like week or two and i think we're close to 100 films now damn yeah it, it's just like it's kind of like pulling a string it just one after the other especially when you go to like the imdb page and it's like you might like this also i'm like i've never heard of that <laughs> Put it in the like, basket <laughs> It was like I was looking up a list of like John Wayne war movies because I'm like, well, there's a, a I was like, there's a there's got to be like a solid 20 or 30 entries we can tack onto the list there. But one of the suggested films was a film called uh, She Wore a Yellow Ribbon, which is apparently about like the Indian Wars. Ooh. And it features like a like a 50 or 60 year old John Wayne as a like a aging cavalry officer. Ooh. I thought you were going to say you added that movie where he plays um, Genghis Khan to the list and I was about to leave. Well, I mean, it could be war adjacent. He he did die due to radiation poisoning due to that. that That's film. right. I think I heard something about that. I didn't know if it was true, though. No, yeah. The, the film site for... Uh, what was it called again? I just know it as the John Wayne Genghis Khan film. 
the the, the, the film site. No, the the actual name oh, of the movie. I, I want to say it's the Conqueror, but that that does sound right. Yeah the the film site for the Conqueror um, was like immediately adjacent to one of the um, like nuclear bomb test sites in New Mexico or Nevada. Oh, and like something like over half of the cast and crew ended up. Uh, getting diagnosed with cancer within like two or three years of that film uh, being finished. Interesting. <laughs> so that's the film we have to blame for John Wayne dying. I mean, it it might have played a part. I, I can't imagine his daily diet of like three t-bone steaks or whatever the fuck it was he ate yeah and getting blackout drunk every night and like smoking three packs a day you know who else smoked three packs a day if you say my mom no it i mean no does she oh okay (laughs) uh dwight d eisenhower ah at at the at the time of the Normandy invasion, he was clocked at being a, a three pack a day guy. Wow. I guess the stress of war. Which to be fair to be fair, being in being in charge of something that you know daunting big and important. Yeah. I you can't really blame him for for needing a little nicotine repeat. Yeah, an entire theater of war right on his back. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, at some point he, I think it was like when he ran for president, it was about the time he quit smoking. Hmm. Which seems like another, like that seems like a very odd time to to choose to quit smoking because you know he he was president at the height of the the Cold War, and it's like you're on the verge of a nuclear Armageddon every single day, and that's when you decide, you know what, <laughs> I'll, I'm going to lay off the Paul balls. Yeah, just rein it in a bit. What was his brand? You know, that's that's a great question. We, I will have to look that up, and I'll I'll have that as that is our that that can be our bit of tri- maybe we can have like a trivia question yeah. every <laughs> every every episode where our, we'll have a question where we don't know the answer to it and whoever actually listens to this can try and provide the answer to us. That'd be great. <laughs> so yeah, the listeners, the, the question of the week is what brand of cigarettes did Dwight D Eisenhower smoke? If you answer correctly, we'll get you a pack of steak knives, except we won't. We'll just be slightly smarter and we'll thank you. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe if we, actually get branded kind of stuff we can get you a sticker mm-hmm. or something man can you imagine being sponsored about it? I, I maybe that should be another part of our our daily episode is uh shouting out a company that we're not sponsored <laughs> by but would love to be sponsored Gaslight by them into sponsoring us genius so hey lucky strike, so, hey, lucky strike. <laughs> also what are you drinking Oh, I'm glad you asked. Um, I decided to go with something very uh, on brand or appropriate for the topic of today. Uh, so I'm drinking 
Suntory Whiskey, Ooh. which is a whiskey produced in Japan. <laughs> and also our sponsor for today's video. You know, we're not, you know, we're not sponsored by Suntory Whiskey. But we could be. But if you... We could be if if you're not completely offended by our, our take on the Hiroshima bombing. <laughs> so yeah, Suntory Whiskey, reach out. I, I'd be more than happy to take your money. I mean, I, I genuinely like your product if, if that helps. And me... See, you already got you already got one free ad placement from us. Yeah, and, and me and my Bud Light. You're saying you uh you, you didn't hop on the the destroying of Bud Light can train? No, I didn't. <laughs> Good for you, a man of principle who sticks by his shitty beer choices. Yeah, what is a man if not the sum of his principles and convictions, as well as his pocketbook for what he can afford in yeah, beer and, and his money, and his money indeed. I mean, anyone who thinks they're too good for a Good old cheap beer hasn't done enough blue collar labor in their life, and that's just my opinion. I I find that whole thing kind of ridiculous. Like, really, people, you you're offended that Bud Light picked up a a sponsor who or somebody to to hawk their product. Like, their their literal goal in life as a business is to sell their product to as many people as possible. So they're not they're not going to turn their blind eye to an entire um what's the word I'm looking for? Demographic of people. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just dumb. This whole gay beer controversy. I'm not sure what that has to do with a, a nuclear holocaust, but man, we yeah, we kinda got off but topic. At least, there. But at least yeah. At least the people who are listening know that we are not anti-gay beer. Absolutely not. I I am an equal opportunist beer drinker. Absolutely, and as am I. Man, this guy. So, we'll continue with what you're going to say. Uh, yeah, I was going to say just back to the ter- the ter- director. I can't find anything on him, and the screenplay, the producers, the cinematographer, the music. I will say the, you know, obviously music plays such a huge part in the way that we digest a film, mm-hmm. but like the, the, the music in this, this short film was, was doing some overtime work. Like oh, yeah. it had, it had to do so much effort to bring you from like, I'm happy. This is great being in Japan. Everything's peaceful to, Oh my fucking God <laughs> to, Everything's okay again. Yeah, just apocalypse. And it was bittersweet, for lack of a better term, the final shot of that paper airplane that that kid threw flying over the now modernized Hiroshima. Really really a message about rebuilding. Something, something, Phoenix from the ashes. Mm -hmm. Something. Um very unrelated fun fact but do you know do you know um the city atlanta's uh, symbol or sigil one of those two the city of atlanta symbol yeah like the symbol of the city of atlanta georgia no what is it it's a phoenix because it's the only uh, major u.s city that's been completely decimated by war Huh. After it got burned down in the Civil War. 
the more Not you know. Not a minute too soon if you don't ask me. <laughs> Ooh, may, may have isolated. Down with the, down with the traitors. May have isolated our southern demographic for listeners. Well, when they stop waving the the white flag of surrender, then they can have an opinion. Ooh, <laughs> dunked on. Another fun fact of the evening: one of one of the hosts here is vehemently pro union and anti confederacy. So, yeah, you can look you can look forward to that if we we uh, get a civil war film coming up. I know Glory's on our list. Yeah, there there's a couple of civil war films, so it I I can't imagine it take too terribly long for us to get around to one. So. I don't. I, I feel like there, we we should do some sort of rating. Like I don't know if five stars works or if we should do like a thumbs up or a thumbs down or like what what kind of metric do you think we should should use for? I'm not comfortable giving a rating to this movie, other than a definite recommendation. Watch it, darn it. We we suggest that watching the film is worthwhile. Maybe in the next film or two, we'll have a, a rating system of some sort. Mm-hmm. You, I, you sure you don't want to do like five mushroom clouds or something? Ooh, God damn it. But no, doesn't it feel weird rating war movies, though, on a certain level? Yes, to a, to a degree, I, I would agree with that. But also, I feel like rating of like Rotten Tomatoes made an entire you know business model out of it. Yeah, but they do other movies, so that makes it okay. But they, but they don't neglect the they don't neglect the war movies in their their tomato meter, <laughs> the thermometer. Oh my god! Yeah, that that maybe maybe that sh- that should be our our metric is when we do a film, we look at the the thermometer and then we say whether or not we agree with it. Yeah, we should do that because man, the. T- the thermometer has misguided me before. There are films that are like 15% on the thermometer that I love. And then there are also movies that are 93 that I hate. And Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a bit skewed. Oh, absolutely. And I've noticed that it's getting worse in that regard, that there's movies that are coveted and loved by the general movie-going proletariat but then they're hated by the critics and vice versa all right so i, th- I think that's a, a good t- does, does this film have a thermometer reading oh right i was gonna search that <sighs> i i wouldn't be shocked if there isn't one Tomatoes. this this is the part where i'll put right. in like jeopardy music I'm yeah, I'm looking, but nothing's coming up. Uh, there's a film review from 2010. Oh, there's an I am I I I am DB for it. It is 7.7 out of 10 from I am Internet Movie 7. Database. 7.7 out of 10. I. Mm-hmm. I think out of 10 on the IMDb rating. This should at least be an eight. My only there, there's two things that bring it down for me. One is 
the you know certain like obviously this was meant to be a shock to the conscience but there are some things that seemed a little gratuitous kind of like the 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 i can't believe we never even got around to it but the the mother who was like breastfeeding who started melting away yeah and that covered her child um like I think you can show something absolutely horrible, like the death of a mother and her child, but like the the the, the melting thing kind of th- threw me out of it for a moment. And then the other part of it too is just because of the the current resources of how it's saved. Like if you go to YouTube right now and look up this film, um, you're going to it looks like somebody transferred a VHS tape to DVD and then just the, 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 the transferring process did not fully capture what I think this film originally was. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, but think I, I, know I definitely think about. it's more than a 7.7 or a 7.8. I think it's a solid 8.0 for me. I agree. Yeah, like that's <clears throat> that seems like a fair rating for it. Seven's seven point seven seems kind of harsh, but so I was reading the Internet Movie Database and the summary: the flash of the A bomb, one hundred times brighter than the sun, is called Pika P I C A, and the enormous shock wave which came right after the flash is called Don, hence Pika Don flash and hmm. boom i was not expecting a, a language lesson today but i'm i'm grateful for it the do more you think you i know. can add that to my uh my babble like daily check-in yes it's it's too bad because i i have german selected for my my current babble subscription which also we're not we're not uh sponsored by babble or duolingo but be more than happy to take your money to pock your product because yeah you use duolingo more than right happy. see it's it's I perfect do. guys Spanish. either one of us to give give us dollars please please <laughs> how, how almost how else am i supposed to buy some sort of relevant alcoholic beverage for our next episode which um, what is the our next, next episode? episode um because this was our first one and we wanted to keep it short which congratulations we're coming up on like 45 minutes to an hour for this one <laughs> um just for a trial run but our next episode was going to be it was your choice of uh come and see Wait, I thought we were going to do your choice. I, I know our plan was for us to go every other, but I thought we were starting with come and see, and then we were going to do one of mine after that. <clears throat> I mean, I, I mean, okay, I, I have no problem pulling told- up the list right now and picking something for myself, but I don't want to deprive you of your uh, your selection. I mean, uh, all right. I heard uh, come and see is very heavy. I haven't actually seen it yet. So what do you know about it? Like, just as 
Eastern Front World War II Bulgaria, I believe. Just as a, a general synopsis for anybody who actually decides to come back. After finding an old rifle, a young boy joins the Soviet resistance movement against ruthless German forces and experiences the horrors of World War II. That also sounds like a super stellar and fun film with... Very. What? Why do I have a feeling we're going to see children die in our next film? No, they wouldn't do that. Wouldn't they? It's against the rules. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely they would. All right. So next film is Come and See about the Eastern Front. Any last thoughts before we uh, sign off? Thank you for coming and listening to us talk for about 45 minutes. This recording on its own is like, what, five times longer than the entire Picadon yeah, movie uh, itself. About that. I, I don't <laughs> think we can can manage that pace for like a two hour movie, but. Yeah, no. <laughs> 10 hours. Yep. You heard it here, folks. And the next episode's going to be 10 we're, hours. We're definitely long. just going to have to spark note the, the next episode. <laughs> hit the highlights hit the highlights if you will oh absolutely yep well i greatly appreciate everybody who stopped by and listened to our show and hopefully we catch you on the next episode until then i've been john and i'm jack and we'll catch you next week bye